0: Can you hear me? I have something to say. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, especially if you've read my new book, Crucify My Love. It's out. It's good. I love it. Hopefully you love it, too. Anywho, I'm almost upset that I have to talk about Star Trek today because I'm in a very good mood. I've actually smiled today, unprompted, and if you're a fan of this show, you know that that's, like, not... A normal situation or place for me to find myself in. But it's Monday, so yeah, it's time to talk about Star Trek Discovery. Episode 12, Through the Valley of Shadows, because it's an episode that they made. I feel like I say this so much that I really need to just record it and play it back every time I say it. That way, I don't have to say it every time. But I I didn't hate season one. I think it had its flaws, but I didn't hate season one. I kind of liked it. And I've been enjoying season two a lot. And then this episode happened. And this... uh This is really the most season one, season two has been so far, and that does not make me happy. It, it wasn't a terrible, well, I can't say it wasn't terrible, it, it, it wasn't horrible, it wasn't a horrible episode, it felt like filler, it felt like they got their season cut in half this season, they're only getting 14 episodes, and they wrote it all out. And they only had 13 episodes, and they went, oh, crap. Well, can we just, I don't know, do a thing, and then that will be the episode? Yeah. No, that that's, that's what they did. And we're going to have to go into the spoiler zone so I can talk about it. So... If you have not watched Star Trek Discovery episode 12 Into the Valley, I'm sorry, in, through the Valley of Shadows, through the Valley of Shadows, and you don't want to get spoiled. It's incoming spoilers in 5 4 3 2 1. I'm going to save the best part for later because I want to end on a happy note because I'm in a good mood and I I feel like a lot of the stuff I'm going to talk about in this episode is not going to keep me there. And I want to end on a good note. And there, there, there was one bright, shining moment in this episode. Literally a moment. But we'll, we'll get to that. And that'll be towards the end. So basically, the plot of this episode is weird things are going on. Oh, there's a signal over Borath. So let's go to Borath. Oh, but we can't go to Borath, because that's where Tyler's child is. And so Tyler tells Michael, and then... Yeah, it did... So everybody finds out that Laurel and Voke, because we have to keep them separate, like they're two separate people, because I really feel like they're doing a weird transition joke with this because like even Laurel in this episode talks about how she can be more than one thing and yeah it it, okay so anyway that's where the child is and it's got a Klingon monastery and the Klingon monastery is there to guard time crystals because we now have time crystals And they need a time crystal because the one that was in Michael's mom's red angel suit got destroyed. And so they need to get their hands on a time crystal so that they can try their plan of sending the sphere data off into the future. And if you're like me and you remember Calypso, I think you have an idea where this is going, Calypso being the short trek that they did where the Discovery is abandoned somewhere in the future and has its own AI that makes itself a body so it can dance with a human. Yeah. That's probably going to come up at some point, isn't it? Anywho. So, they... Voke is dead. Tyler, Beanvoke is dead, so Tyler can't go down to the planet because nobody can know in the Klingon Empire that Tyler's not dead. Okay, that makes sense. Laurel can't go down to the planet because she's only the Chancellor of the High Council and has absolutely no say over what happens in the Empire. Well, technically just within the monastery, but yeah. Okay... So we need to send somebody else down, and of course, Captain Pike agrees to go down to the planet, because, yeah, you know where this is going, don't you? Bunch of time crystals, yeah. So, the he goes down to the planet and meets Voke and the son, who's now, like, in his 30s? Because wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey bits... And while he's explaining that, Pike gets to watch a tree grow because that was really cool when Scott. In, in, uh, I, don't, I just. I don't know why they did this episode. Anyway, so Pike goes into the room with the time crystals and he has to get a time crystal, but he has to pay for it, and most people can't take what happens there because they lose their mind or die so he grabs onto the time crystal and sees his face get melty and then he sees himself in the chair and his face is still melting and he starts screaming and Voke and son turn to him and go the future is not yet set in stone that you've seen But if you take the crystal, then there's nothing you can do to avoid it. Because, yeah, that's how time works. You make a satanic pact with a glowing crystal, and... I don't know, I guess these are the same crystals the Sith use in their lightsabers, because you have to make some kind of Faustian deal in order to use them. I don't know. It's the rules that they came up with for this freaking episode that they did for some reason. And so, he, of course, he takes the crystal and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So, why? Why? First of all, Star Trek needs to realize, everybody who ever does show running for Star Trek needs to realize, that the time travel episodes are terrible. They're not good. They're not. There's one exception. One. One. And that city on the edge of forever, and you're never going to recapture that glory. You're just not. You're not. It's not going to happen. Next generation, for goodness' sakes, Star Trek: The Original Series couldn't do it. The Star Trek Three, no, Four, The Voyage Home couldn't do it. Star Trek: The Next Generation tried several times. They even did a two-parter in the past, and it just it it couldn't get there. The the closest thing is kind of maybe the Roswell episode of Deep Space Nine, but it wasn't that good. So yeah, Th- there was some entertaining stuff that they did on Voyager, kinda ish, with the time travel. I I like the time police. The time police was really a cute idea, and I just find myself wondering where the time police are during this whole thing because. They definitely should have shown up by now. Like, really. Really. Like, I'm serious. If they went after Voyager for messing with the timeline too hard, one, they should have definitely gone after Michael's mom by now, because she's apparently been changing all kinds of things in time, and yeah, definitely probably should have gone after her. And now Discovery's going to be doing something with... Anyway... Let's leave the time cops out of it. And also let's remember that the whole temporal Cold War was the stupidest part of Enterprise. And one of the reason, reasons why Enterprise just didn't work. And finally became a good show when when they dropped all that. Season 4, very good. Very good. Season 4 of Star of, Trek of Enterprise is so good. But... the temporal cold war is like over and we're not going to deal with it anymore we're going to deal with other things because we're finally going to do star trek time travel does not work for you star trek it is not a good look on you don't do it stop doing it please stop doing it but of course you continue to do it and i don't know why i really don't know why yeah, so this entire episode is basically about getting a time crystal. And, yeah, the other thing. We're going to talk about the thing with Michael in a minute. Because Michael and Spock get a subplot that... Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. So, I, I just... Okay, so now Pike knows he's going to get all melted... And I guess that makes it, when it finally happens, and I, I thought it was going to happen this season, and now, since we know he's only going to be captain for one season, and he appeared to be in engineering on the on the Enterprise, I'm sorry, on the, uh, Discovery, I, I'm fairly certain it's going to happen this season. But now, you see, it's noble self-sacrifice, and... No, wait. It's nobler self-sacrifice because it was already noble self-sacrifice in the flashback, but it's like super noble self-sacrifice because he knows it's gonna happen. He chose to lock the future in by taking the Faustian bargain from the crystal because crystals have the power to curse your future. Apparently in Star Trek. And... Now when it happens, it's supposed to be, like, uber emotional, even though we've already seen it happen. And I don't know. I really don't. Like, it's the one thing that we knew about Pike that I figured they were going to have us experience in this season. But I had I, gotten myself fooled into thinking that they weren't going to do it, that Pike was going to go back to the Enterprise, and it was going to happen off screen, and it would be something we hear about in a later season, because they're not going to kill their captain every season. I mean, think about it. They killed two in season one, because Philippa Giorgio gets killed, and then Lorca gets killed, and now we're going to melt Pike, because of course we are which now makes me all kinds of mixed feelings because I was really excited about the idea that Rebecca Remain's... Rebecca Remain? Rebecca Remain! Would come in with her number one character and be the new captain of the Discovery because that would be awesome. Because it's Rebecca Remain and if if you don't love her, I just don't understand. I really don't. Because I love her. (laughs) She's such a good fun actress in everything that she's in but okay now i don't know if i want that to happen because that kind of sets it up that if she's the captain in season three they're gonna find a horrible way to kill her by the end of season three or melt her or something and i don't want that to happen <sighs> i i don't this is one of those moments where I just want to shake the writers room like I want the writers room on a gimbal so I can just shake the whole thing like it's the bridge of the enterprise being hit by photon torpedoes because I don't understand what you were thinking why did you do this why Pike was a good character I didn't need to see his freak out face when he finds out that he's gonna melt like a candle I I didn't need that. You could just have him melt like the candle... uh, at the end of the episode... like you had originally... at the end of the series... like you had apparently planned all along. I just... you took all this time. All this time. Just for that. And if you're wondering why I've talked about it this long... it's because I know quite a few of the people... that listen to these episodes... don't actually watch the show... And I want you to get the feeling for how much of the episode it took up. That's not true. It just really bothers me that they did this. Okay, so Spock and Burnham get their own magical mystery tour. Okay, so Spock and Burnham find out that one of the Section 31 ships... Because apparently Section 31 ships have to call in every two hours, and one of them called in ten minutes late. But because everything they do is, shh, top secret, they they, they don't have to explain why they were late, just that it was. So she decides, well, she doesn't just decide, she goes and she talks to Saru, and Saru says it's okay, and so the two, so she and Spock take a shuttle to go... Hunt down this Section 31 ship on their own because, yeah, that makes sense. It really does make sense why they wouldn't let the entire Discovery go because Discovery has the full sphere database in it and they don't want the sphere database falling into control's hands. Okay, so that makes sense. So it's time for the Magic Mystery Tour with Spock and Michael, two of the smartest science officers. That we've gotten in this time period together again for grand mystery tour and of course they arrive and they hit a couple dead bodies because everybody that was on the ship got spaced and yeah that was kind of an awkward way to get into it but okay I'm fine with it. it there's so much else to complain about I'm just gonna let it slide and so they're scanning everything and While they're scanning everything, they find that, oh, one of the dead bodies is not dead yet. So let's beam it aboard. Now, I'm going to stop here, because there's a major plot point later in the episode that really kind of upsets me. So apparently Spock is able to use the computer to scan for any instances of the control software. And he's isolated it in one part of the ship's computer so they can purge it yay that's good and then the computer's like but it's one other place it's on the bridge inside of an organic vessel and that's when Spock realizes that control has taken over the dead person that they had beamed onto their ship and brought back to life and then brought back over to the ship with them because reasons and yeah we'll get to those reasons in a second but Let's go back to the beginning here. So, Spock apparently knows how to scan for the control software in such a way that if it is, say, reanimating a corpse like it did with Leland, the scanners can find it. But they just presumed that all the humans were dead except for the one that miraculously survived, who miraculously happens to be somebody that Michael knows from the Shinjō, And... Nothing like hits their spider sense like nothing like there's no point in this where you sit back and go, Hmm, maybe we should just be running that scan continuously <laughs> because Leland fooled us into thinking that he was Leland when Leland was actually the, the control software. So maybe we should be just running that scan all the time. But no, they're not just going to be running that scan all the time because that would not let them have really bad reveal moments. What I'm saying is Spock is smarter than this. Michael should be smarter than this, but Spock, please, come on, man. Spock, you've been all timey-wimied with the mind meld with the Red Angel and luckily you have dyslexia so it didn't make you go crazy because reasons and all this other stuff like you've been framed for murder and chased around the galaxy and all this bad stuff has happened and you were there when your sister decided to commit suicide so that you could trap her mom that you didn't know was her mom that you thought was her and then you were there when Leland betrayed everybody and yet you're not suspicious about the one person who happened to survive after being spaced who happens to be somebody that Michael knows from the Jinzhou, so that she would trust him and then take none of that None. No. so absolutely none of that was suspicious to you see this is the, the continuous problem that I have with the writing on Discovery is the characters are brilliant until the plot needs them to be stupid and then they're stupid like really really the one person just basic statistics should have told spock that something was wrong what are the odds that of all of the people that were on that section 31 ship the only survivor just happened to be somebody your sister knows just just pure happenstance we're just gonna let that slide why? Uh, mm. Anywho, so of course, we find out that control staged the whole thing because control wants to put its little oogie boogies into Burnham so that Burnham can be her little—it's a little zombie so it can get back onto the Discovery because the Discovery is not running the continuous search. That Spock apparently knows how to run. That found the control zombie on the bridge while they were on the Section Thirty-One ship. That that f- apparently isn't happening on Discovery like twenty-four-seven because you know I would be running that on the Discovery twenty-four-seven because you know Leland was on the Discovery when he you know you, you've had two control spies on your ship. I mean, yeah. Anywho. And I'm still not convinced that the little buggies did not get into Michael. But, yeah, Spock magnetizes the floor so the nanites can't move anymore, and yay, everybody's saved. And we learn nothing. We learn nothing. Like, there's no point in it. I, I, I guessed that Control would be trying to take over all the Section 31 ships. And... This episode hinted at that, and then, of course, the next time basically said it flat out. So I'm not really surprised by that, but yeah. so the two fo spo- the two filler parts of the episode, which actually took up the most of the episode, because. Captain Pike was kind of the A story. Spock and Michael were kind of the B story. And then the C story is this really... Like, we get two scenes. One where Stamets is sitting in the mess hall. And Reno, because Jet Reno's back, and that's awesome. Jet Reno comes up and starts telling him that they need help with figuring out how to use the time crystal... And then Colber walks in and Stamets gets all lost puppy dog and decides to walk out because he's still in love with Colber. And Colber is trying to figure his life out since being resurrected, reincarnated. I almost feel like reincarnated is better than resurrected because they didn't bring his body back. They made a new body and put his mind in it. Like, you gotta wonder if Spock went through the same sensations in the search for Spock, but at least that used his original body, kinda, ish. Uh, I need some clarification there. Anywho, this is a storyline that they need to resolve, because, you know, it's one that actually affects the story, and it's one of the ongoing stories, it's not like going to Boroth for a time crystal, because time crystals are a thing. Like, this is a character that we've had since season one in a relationship that has gone through some rocky patches, you know, called Death. And, yeah. So then we get a second scene where... Jet Reno, one of the greatest named characters on Star Trek Discovery, goes to the Med Bay because she has a hangnail, and basically tells Culber about her wife, who died during the Klingon war, and that Culber should be so happy that he gets a second chance, because most people would kill for a second chance, and he actually gets one, and is just kind of letting it slide. And it's a beautiful scene, and it's a touching scene, and it It made me so happy because Jet Reno is such a good character and they haven't used her hardly at all. And that's a shame because we spent way too much time with Tyler. Who is not an interesting character in any way, shape, or form. Uh, But these are all scenes that I feel like should have been the episode. Because they're the more interesting story. You know, everything that Colbert is going through because he was dead and then had a new body grown for for him and had his consciousness stuffed back into it and everything feels weird and different and he's himself, but he doesn't feel like himself and all that. That's a very interesting and fascinating storyline, unlike weird time crystal caves where you have to explore Accept the curse of the time crystal, or you can't take the crystal with you. I, I, I don't care. <laughs> like, you got your A and C stories mixed up. Like, if we have to go get a time crystal from Borath, that's the C story. Just push it down to the C story. I don't care about the relationship between Laurel and Tyler because it's already over. We don't need yet another, it's over scene. Like, we already got that. I mean, she held up his clone dead head. (laughs) I mean, nothing says it's over like holding the dead head of my ex. Really? Uh, Like, this show, this season has been so much better than last season. And I was getting really excited because we're in the last three episodes. We've only got two more to go after this. And then, for reasons just beyond my comprehension, this episode happens. And I don't understand how. All I can figure is, like I said, when they got everything plotted out, they had 13 episodes. And went, oh crap, we have 14. How can we stretch this out a bit? And slap this one in. Because... Oh, wow. Yeah, it just, it didn't work. It didn't work. It is a forgettable episode, and it is probably the most skippable episode of the season. Because it really doesn't tell you anything. I mean, nothing really changes. The only thing that we actually learn in this episode is that Jet Reno was married. But her wife is dead. That's it. That's all we learn. So, yeah, I'm done. (laughs) We have two more episodes of this, and hopefully they'll get it right by season three. I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. Anywho, if you enjoyed this episode and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this episode or the podcast in general, please do so. That helps me out a lot. That tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people. If you've got a dollar you can throw my way, down in the show notes you'll see a link for Anchor Community Support. If you click that, you can join the project at the $1, $5, or $10 levels. That really does help out a lot. Helps me do everything that I do. If you, for some reason, like listening to the sound of my voice, um, I have another podcast. It's called Mask of the Gods. It's an audio drama audio series it's an audiobook version of crucify my love and it's actually going to be all three books in the series so you can check that out just go to mask of the or search in your favorite podcast app it's in a lot more now than it was and hopefully we'll be in everything soon it's still not in apple podcasts at least as of the recording of this but i am announcing on twitter every time it gets added to another one. So you can check me out over there. And I spend a lot of time on Twitter. So, yeah. That's a good place to keep up with me. Uh, yeah. I really don't know what they were thinking this episode. I don't. Um, anyway, as I was saying, if you follow me on Twitter. It's probably the best social network to keep up with me on. I have been posting to Instagram more. I'm trying to do that. So you can always try to encourage me by following me on Instagram. You can find links to all this over at projectshadow.com. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah. Until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.